0: An artist truly comes of age when he creates a timeless piece of art that changes forever the way we look at life. Cezanne did that and posthumously he has been getting the adulation he so richly deserved. But maybe that was never his deepest calling. He was maybe a work in progress as the spiritualist who was striving to erase himself and painting was his method. Maybe he didn't intend to get this far. Maybe He bought the ticket to the last station in all innocence, not realizing that the route had no such station at all, not realizing that the ultimate goal of the artist is to cease to exist because the artist has never been defined that way there was no precedent maybe the idea of the artist has always been a con job a device by the railways to get the daring ones to make this unknown journey which may not be a comfortable first class experience even if you had the means Cezanne's life in the end, was checkered with doubt, rejection, anonymity. There was no one out there to tell him, Bravo, you did well. In fact, the people of his village, where he grew up, told him they didn't want him there. He lived With only his attendant, indifferent to any routine, he didn't care much about how he looked or dressed. He seemed to be in a trance. The children around the village used to throw pebbles at him, thinking he had lost his sanity. His father did not even consider him a painter, till his last breath. In his father's will, Cézanne's profession is not mentioned as artist, but as man with independent means. Cézanne himself used to say, the world doesn't understand me and I don't understand the world. That's why I've withdrawn from it. This is the artist who many today consider one of the greatest who ever lived, who ever painted and about whom no one has a doubt that what we know as art today is what stemmed from his experiments his single-pointedness his excruciating labour his indomitable will his indifference to praise and ridicule and his ability to stay the course and his innocence of having bought the ticket to the last station The Unknown Masterpiece There is a celebrated short story by the French author Balzac called The Unknown Masterpiece. In this story, an accomplished artist, Porbus is visited by a young artist Nicola Poussin, and an old master, Frenhofer. Porbus had just finished a large tableau, Mary of Egypt. When Porbus unveils the paintings to them, Frenhofer praises the painting but says that it still needs a finishing touch. And after a little hesitation, once he got the go-ahead from Pobus for his unusual request, he makes a few touches with his paintbrush. And as soon as he did it, Mary in the painting seemed to have come alive right in front of their eyes. Frenhofer says... To the two astonished artists that he has mastered this technique but has not been able to find a suitable model for his own masterpiece which was about a beautiful courtesan. He has been working for ten years on this but the model had not yet materialized. Poussin offers his own lover, Gillette, as a model. And Gillette is so beautiful that Hofer is inspired to finish his masterpiece quickly. Once it is done, Poussin and Pauber's are invited to admire the painting. On their way to the masterpiece, as they walk through Frenhofer's studio, they see many brilliant, outstanding paintings of human figures, the likes of which they have never seen before. They were filled with the thought that if this is how his normal works are, How must his masterpiece be? With great eagerness and anticipation, Poussin and Pauvers go over to the masterpiece. Frenhofer unveils the painting dramatically, but all they can see is part of a foot that has been painted brilliantly. And the rest of the body has been covered by many layers of color. Yet, Frenhofer can clearly see the courtesan, who looks absolutely beautiful to him. And he is describing what he sees to them in great detail, which they are simply unable to see. And they are terribly disappointed and their disappointment comes through. Frenhofer is unable to deal with their reaction, as this was the crowning glory of his entire life as an artist. It was his masterpiece, which he had waited for ten years to paint. It contained all his knowledge skill, his very soul. He could not accept this rejection. So he destroys the painting and dies the same night. Cezanne is said to have kept a copy of this story under his pillow and read it often. One evening, when one of his friends brought the story up at dinner, he got up from the table, stood before him and striking his chest with his index finger, admitted wordlessly by this repeated gesture that he was Fraunhofer. He was so moved by this feeling, that tears filled his eyes. Cezanne, too, like Fraunhofer, seems to have gone way beyond his station of the artist. And yet he managed to avoid the frustration and giving into self-loathing that Balzac's mythical character seemed to have done. And indeed, how does one celebrate this kind of an event when it seems so cataclysmic? When it would get him to behave and sound perplexed, distraught, confused, angry, irascible, abusive even, he might rather talk about a looming crisis. When we look at painting or art, there are two components. Aesthetic contemplation and the action of rendering the painting. The artist has a choice to see if his pleasure comes from the impulse of action or the desire to sit quietly in contemplation because contemplation is in the end an impulse that contradicts the impulse to act. Contemplation always holds the promise of drawing attention to the painter rather than the painting. And the moment the painter realizes that he is the job in progress and does not identify with the painting he is boarding the train to the last station in other words he is a mess what Cezanne did was that he kept painting ceaselessly had he stopped well he said he was Fraunhofer didn't he Yes, Cézanne did board that train to oblivion. He had said, The most seductive thing about art is the personality of the artist himself. And what he perhaps didn't bargain for is that personality is just the beginning Ramana Maharishi taught that by dwelling on the source through the inquiry of who am I, that personality will soon be obliterated to reveal the source, what Cezanne was after. Let us dwell on Ramana Maharishi's experience and thoughts because it looks like what was happening in a sporadic, partial, chaotic and incomplete manner in Cezanne was a very coherent experience for a Ramana Maharishi. Maybe it was the consequence of not having picked up any activity, any form of output, so that there was... Just the person who was the canvas and the job as well, with nothing to prove. The death experience. It is said that while Ramana Maharishi had a normal childhood at home, the home of his parents. He went to school, played with his friends and so on. One afternoon, when he was around 17, he was overwhelmed by a sudden fear of death. He was sitting in his room and a sudden violent fear of death overtook him. He did not try to find out the reason for the fear. He just felt, I am going to die and began thinking what to do about it. He felt that he had to solve the problem himself right then and there. The shock of the fear of death drove his mind inwards and he said to himself mentally without actually framing the words, Now death has come. What does it mean? What is it that is dying when this body dies? He at once dramatized the occurrence of death. He lay with his limbs stretched out and imitated a corpse so as to give greater reality to the inquiry. He held his breath and kept his lips tightly closed. He then reasoned to himself, With the death of this body, am I dead? Is the body I? I? It is silent and inert. But I feel the full force of my personality and even the voice of the I within me, apart from it. So I am spirit transcending the body. The body dies, but the spirit that transcends it Cannot be touched by death. This means I am the deathless spirit. All this was not dull thought. It flashed to him vividly as living truth which he perceived directly, almost without. Thought process. A few days after this experience, he left his parental home and his journey began towards oblivion. He would stay on the slopes of a hill for the rest of his life, the hill of Arunachala in South India. He had more such experiences. He would be in a trance for days without food. Insects would bite into his body. Urchins would throw pebbles at him. But they were ones who understood his state of being and what it meant. Because that knowledge existed back then in parts of India. They were common folk who could understand that there was something special going on here and they would care for him. After a few years, he stabilised and he mainly remained in silence. He preached in silence and he preached silence. So what made the two travellers choose their respective destinations? One who had a clear death experience knew where he wanted to go. He bought a one-way ticket, never to return. Because he had experienced the source and couldn't settle for less. He was ready to be destroyed. And the other had a zest for life. He would settle for no less than the best that life could offer. And so he had to choose the last station, whatever the cost. And he had to persevere with what he encountered along the way to the point that the journey, the destination all seemed to blur out for him. But as his journey seemed to pick up momentum, he realized that this journey was not what he had imagined. But now, it was too late to jump out. And so, he pursued what he called truth. To quote Cezanne, By going deep, you automatically go to the truth. You feel a healthy need to be truthful. You'd rather strip your canvas right down than invent or imagine a detail. You want to know. Maybe he didn't realize the unrest it would cause, the isolation it would bring, it was all part of the learning. He was perhaps headed for that very clarity that would rid him of all doubts. Maybe he was headed for a greater crisis. Ramana Maharishi put it this way eventually, all that one has learned will have to be forgotten. So, is there a connection at all between the two passengers in the imaginary story? Well, let's just say, when what you learned is that which cannot be taught, be sure your teacher is the one who cannot be sought. Lots of love, Bharat Thakur.